Hi there. Do you know what your anxiety profile is? Me, I was a besieged panicker. We often say that the first step to reversing anxiety is to understand it. And that's why we've created a tool to help you discover your anxiety profile. And it's totally free. In about 90 seconds, you'll receive your customized anxiety profile. And it will answer so many questions you've probably been struggling with, including, am I going crazy? And why me? So if you haven't yet, pause this episode and head to lifefreeofanxiety.com slash profile or click the link in the show notes. I promise you'll get a lot more out of this and every episode once you know your anxiety profile. And now, on to the show. Well, hi there. So glad to have you guys with us for another episode of the Life Free of Anxiety podcast. I know we got some new listeners on board this past week because I heard from some of you. So keep up uh, sending us messages. We love hearing from you on Facebook or Instagram, Life Free of Anxiety. Or you can always email me at erica at lifefreeofanxiety.com. Also, be sure to tell your friends about the show. Make sure you subscribe. And we never want you to miss an episode. Uh, we've got so much information, so much good information coming out of these shows. And also, this is so important, but uh, for others to find us, you guys have to rate us. We always like five stars, of course, but that's just a suggestion. Uh, we read every one of your kind words and comments to us. It means so much. So do be sure to rate our show. Um, just to catch up our new listeners, Dr. Barr is a licensed clinical therapist. He is the co-host of this show. Um, I was Dr. Barr's client, and I came to his office seeking help because he does specialize in anxiety. And he told me about his journey with anxiety, how he got better, and uh, helped me recover as well. So that is uh, our background story. And in today's episode, you're going to hear the first half of a two-part conversation on the different types of anxiety disorders out there. It's an important episode because oftentimes different terms get intermingled and used interchangeably, which leads to, of course, a ton of confusion and you spending a lot of time on Google.com totally confused. So before we get to the show... Um, I want to remind you that we have made Dr. Barr's relaxation audio available for free at lifefreeofanxiety.com slash relax, or you can click the link in the show notes. It's the uh, first of a number of free tools we're working to make available, and it really helped change my life. All right. Well, let's get to the show. Lots of good stuff ahead in this two-parter. Welcome to the Life Free of Anxiety podcast, where each week we'll bring you another discussion to help you on your way to overcoming your fears. I'm Erica, and together with Dr. Charles Barr, a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in anxiety, we'll be your guides on this journey. Because you are not broken, you are not alone, and you are on your way to living a life free of anxiety. All right, well, we are back. Hello, Dr. Barr. Hello there. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. So we are going to be talking today about anxiety disorders. Now, there are, um, first of all, I'd like to get something kind of clarified. I hear so much, and I don't, I think I've asked you this before, but I want to ask you again. I hear so much about mental illness um, in general, it's like a buzz buzzwords right now. Mental illness, mental illness. When somebody has an anxiety or depression, do you think gotcha. that this is when when people are, are dealing with things like this? Is this is this true mental illness? Well, I don't believe so. Yeah, um, I didn't. Think I so. believe this is a a combination of um, genetics and learning mm. and uh, um, environment, and so. 
um, the mental, when, when I think mental illness, now, I think the general public probably does think that anxiety disorders rank as one of those mental illnesses. Right. Uh, but in my mind, it doesn't doesn't uh, register that way. Uh-huh. Um, I see this more as a, as a, a condition, and it's a learned condition, and so it, it's something that you can learn your way out of, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. So you can teach yourself different skills and different uh, ways of approaching um, how you talk to yourself and how you react and how you regulate your own physiology. And um, quite frankly, most people are not familiar with regulating their own physiology. They just do whatever their body tells them to do mm-hmm. rather than uh, feeling like they have any control over that. And so the the mental illnesses, uh, I think, are are more the kinds of things like um, I guess what we would talk about in terms of uh, almost the psychotic disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be schizophrenia is a mental illness and bipolar disorder is a mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, bipolar seems to be a very different animal than schizophrenia. Right. Uh, c- caused by different kinds of, of issues and different kinds of chemical mix-ups and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, genetically determined by different genes, uh, but both can can cause really uh, can cause havoc and uh, uh, complete dysfunction of an individual if if not treated well. And sometimes right. even with the best treatment with uh, with schizophrenia, we, we just don't have much success. So mm-hmm. um, that that's more what I think of when I think of mental illness. Uh, Depression can be considered a mental illness because it it seems to uh, take over someone's uh, emotional life and physical life, and um, depression can certainly wreak havoc in someone's life as well. And uh, kind of depends to what degree, right? That's right. That we're dealing Uh, with. I mean, there's there's normal depression. We all have ups and downs. Right. Um, but the depression we're talking about is clinical depression, not just feeling blue mm-hmm. or feeling the normal uh, rhythm of, of the ups and downs. Yeah. The reason I wanted to ask that question is because I feel that the way we talk to ourselves can be really important um, as anxiety-ridden people. And I, I find that when you put mental illness on yourself, if you're not careful, that could mean that could unload a whole lot of emotions and um, unpleasant connections for yourself that might well, not necessarily can. be there. Right. Yes, it certainly can. Well, and that's that's one of the difficulties of people treating uh, uh, seeking treatment, actually, mm. is because they're afraid they're mentally ill or, you know, because, you know, as you and I have talked, one of the things about panic disorder is it makes you feel like you're going crazy, that yes. you're, you're losing your mind. Mm-hmm. And so that can be fairly convincing. And so now you're sure you've got a mental illness and, oh no, they're going to think I'm crazy. And what if they lock me up in the hospital? Yeah. Um, there's always those images of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. and good. Um, although it is a good movie. Well, it is, but it, it also date. You know, that's an old movie now too. Yes, so. that's a very old movie now. I think Jack Nicholson is like how old is he in that? Like twenty or something? Twenties, thirties. Oh, maybe. Yeah, Still a good one right. though. 
Um, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of, that's a great uh, point anyway. I think a lot of what we see in, uh, movies and TV as well can be our only kind of, um, connection or understanding even of what mental illness is. Um, and uh, as we know, TV and movies dramatize things a lot of times. Um, and, 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 you know, sometimes they don't, sometimes these really are real things happening to people. But anyways, I feel that we're making sometimes inappropriate connections to things that aren't necessarily happening to us. It's kind of like when you Google something and you find, you end up diagnosing an exotic illness because, you know, oh, I can relate to this and this and whatever. And by the end of the day, you've made yourself more anxious. Um, Oh, that's right. You know, you you can find all kinds of scary things on the internet. Yeah. Uh, for any particular symptom, um, I I can't remember what it was I had diagnosed myself, but I had diagnosed myself one time with something, and I went to my doctor and I said, "Oh, doctor, I'm I'm having this symptom and that symptom, and I think maybe I have this." I can't remember what it was now, but uh, <laughs> he started laughing and he said. Well, you've done it to yourself. You you scared yourself very badly. He said, uh, you don't have that at all because yeah, right. you don't have, you've got two of the maybe symptoms, but you don't have any of the necessary symptoms. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. And then you're uh, like, so, ah, I feel kind of silly right now. <laughs> well, I felt totally relieved also. Yeah. You know, it's like, right. okay, feel a little, little sheepish and silly, but, uh, like, boy, am I glad to hear that. Yeah. And hopefully that's what the listener is feeling right now is a little bit of, you know, being feeling relieved. I always like to hear that I was not going crazy when I was anxious because I truly believed that I was um, because that's I just didn't know what was happening to myself. So, um, yeah, to be right. to be that, able to get that assurance was actually very big for me. Well, I think that that is very reassuring, and it's very uh-huh. helpful to have that kind of reassurance that um, that in fact somebody knows what it is you have, and you're not going crazy, and you're not going to lose your mind. You're just um, anxious. Yes, you're just <laughs> anxious. And um, one of the things that I may have said to you, because I say it frequently to to my anxiety people that come in, I said. Uh, no, if you were going to go crazy, you would have already gone, and you've missed your opportunity. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, uh, no. that's right. <laughs> you had a chance, and you missed it. So now you just have to live with anxiety. <laughs> Which actually it sounds so funny, but it's it's kind of uh, again reassuring. It's like, no, I'm I'm a licensed clinical therapist, and you're wrong. Whatever you're feeling, yeah. you're not right. Yeah, and thank right. God you're not. So let's that's just right. deal with the things that like, turns out this is totally treatable. Um, your body is designed to put itself back into uh, its resilient zone and, and be calm and you can do this. It's not, you're not, you don't have anything irreversible. There's nothing exotic happening. There's nothing extremely rare happening to you. You're not a rare case. Um, this is, this is the good news. Yes. And and that brings up an interesting topic. And that is that um, everyone is different. And yes. yet there is a striking similarity between everyone. Um, and so everybody feels like, well, but uh, yes, I'm having these symptoms, but um, 
my case is different. And yes, it is slightly, but it, it certainly is ringing true for a lot of other people as well. Not everyone experiences it exactly the same, and everyone is different and has different sets of symptoms, mm-hmm. but they all fall into the same uh, category, the same range. Hmm. Now, um, panic disorder is a is a conglomeration of symptoms. You know, if you look at the official diagnosis, I think there are 13 symptoms that you can have in there, and you have to have five of the four or five of those in order to officially consider that you're having a panic attack. Okay. So we have um, we have panic disorder with mm-hmm. or without agoraphobia. So you can have panic disorder and it you're not avoiding doing things. It's not keeping you from doing things. You're just white knuckling it all the time while you're doing whatever you're doing and and feeling horrible all the time while you're panicking even though it's not keeping you from doing a lot. Now, is this also the same thing as generalized anxiety disorder? No, that's it's a little different. Okay. And yet there there are symptoms that that are the same. So in generalized anxiety disorder, the the hallmark of generalized anxiety disorder is worry. So you you may have known people who are just chronic worriers. Yeah. They they worry about anything and everything. And they catastrophize. They, um, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Kind mm-hmm. of thinking. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, they worry about uh, events. They worry about health. They worry about um, all kinds of of daily living issues. Their children and probably is a big one. Their children, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and they worry almost every day. You know, it, it's not that. Uh, okay, gee, you know, I was really worried about this particular thing, um, and then I went and I got it checked, and now I don't worry about it anymore. It's like, well, yes, I, I went and I got it checked, and I'm still scared, and I still worry about it. So the doctor's reassurance didn't do much in terms of keeping me from worrying. Okay. So, so their brains kind of turn on and just keep on going, uh, regardless, and uh, so. Worry is is really the the big hallmark of uh, of generalized anxiety disorder, but people with panic disorder worry also. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have panic disorder, worry is is going to be part of that because you're worried about when am I going to feel the next panic attack? What if I feel it here? What if I feel it there? Um, you're you're you may fall into the seeking reassurance that you're going to be okay. Um, seeking reassurance that if you're working with me, that I really do know what I'm talking about and I'm not just a quack. I tell people that I, well, and I may have told you this too. You know, it's like, well, I am a strange person, but, um, but I don't think I'm a quack. So. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> felt that there was anything really quacky about you or actually strange, but you know. Life is short enough as it is, and so if we can do some laughing along the way, that's a good thing. So, yeah. So we have uh, uh, GAD or generalized anxiety disorder, which is what we are talking about, um, and we also have uh, social anxiety disorder, or um, it sometimes has been called uh, social phobia, mm-hmm. or uh, maybe some people have heard um, chronic shyness or shyness disorder. 
And we do see a lot of shyness in kids. Mm-hmm. And um, there is a certain age period, uh, you know, when we're growing up, you meet a stranger and the child ducks behind mommy's legs and hides. And, oh, that would uh, have been me. talk or that kind of thing. Yep, that's and, how I was. And so that kind of shyness uh, is kind of normal. Mm-hmm. And almost every kid has some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly my granddaughter goes through that right now. Uh, and one of my grandsons is sort of in between. And then the other one is just, he just doesn't, he, he's never met a stranger, you know, so he'll talk to anybody and everybody. <laughs> yeah. So you can kind of see the, the difference in the genetics there and, and the, the way they're reacting. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that any of them have an anxiety disorder. And a lot of kids will grow out of that shyness. Yes. But when that shyness is is painful, and um, there's a lot of separation anxiety, and there's um, fear of going to school and stomach aches, and um, it keeps the child from playing with friends and that kind of thing. Then, then we've got a greater uh, a problem going. Mm-hmm. And that shyness people usually don't grow out of that that shyness usually turns into social anxiety disorder. So that's something and, that starts uh, very young and then turns in branches into social anxiety disorder. That's right. Okay. And, and the, the, the earlier we can treat um, any of these anxiety disorders, the better off it is because uh, there's so many effective things we can do to help and, and short circuit the anxiety and cut down on uh years of suffering, actually. So it's important to, to intervene as early as we can on, on things like that. I felt a strong desire to be outgoing. I just couldn't make myself. I remember having that feeling a lot. And I still, I mean, I still do. But um... Okay, and, and that's part of that uh, process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's a good thing uh, to be aware of. You know, that you want to be outgoing and you would like to say something to somebody and participate in a conversation and you can't make yourself do it. Right. Um, so so one of the hallmarks of social anxiety disorder is um, fear of judgment or fear of embarrassment. Mm. And there's this real fear of of criticism in public. Right. And um, so it can it can lead to all kinds of of. Uh, inhibitions and inabilities Mm -hmm. to go places and do things Um, like you were saying you know you you want to be able to engage in a conversation and find yourself withdrawing from it instead right Um, yeah and and that's not fun you you go away feeling badly about yourself afterwards and um and saying wow i i really would have liked to have said a few things there because i had some stuff to say Yes, definitely. And it's it's also a place, to be perfectly honest, as an adult, where um, I can see how people have a few too many drinks sometimes, too, because when you, you know, are craving lowering your inhibitions, alcohol is going to do it. So um, I, does that yes. usually fall in line with social anxiety disorder? Actually, that's one of the common medications used for uh-huh. social anxiety yeah. disorder. <laughs> Yeah. And and that's part of why in, uh, you know, when you go to a cocktail party, um, you know, you're going to get a cocktail to help you 
get rid of that that anxiety and that inhibition because the alcohol does exactly what you want it to do in mm-hmm. small quantities. Um, and then, unfortunately, uh, people overdo it and get too many drinks and they're too disinhibited. And um, then that starts creating a different kind of problem. Yep. And if you start relying on that drink in order to be able to, to socialize, you know, so you feel like you have to have it in order to do that, then then that creates its own set of problems. So, and you've perpetuated the embarrassment if the next morning you're waking up and thinking, oh, no, what did I say? What did I do? <laughs> what yeah. did I do? What did I say? That's right. So that's social. Um, so that's social. Uh, and um, social anxiety almost always is a part of panic disorder because no one wants to to display their panic disorder in front of everyone. Mm. You know, if I'm having a panic attack, I don't want other people to see that I'm having a panic attack. Right. Yeah. Um, and actually, it, it's, it's a little paradoxical, actually, because people that have had panic attacks for a long time have gotten so good at covering them up that even I, as a professional, and I know what a panic attack looks like, and I've had numerous people tell me, well, you know, Dr. Barr, I'm having a panic attack right now. Mm-hmm. If they had not told me, I would never know that because they are so good at covering it up. Yeah, I, I know all about that. I I am a big coverer. I am a huge cover of panic attacks, or I was. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think anyone would have known. That's, and I think that's correct. Uh, no one would know yeah. except you. Right. And that ends up leading to a feeling of isolation and sometimes desperation because you're sitting there feeling like, oh, my goodness, I'm dying on the vine here and nobody cares mm-hmm. because nobody's reacting to you and nobody's asking you how you are and nobody's checking on you. And you're going, nobody cares. You know, what? what's the deal? Yeah. They really don't know. And yeah. you, you've gotten so good and you feel like it's so evident, you know, and, and so you're feeling like it's very evident when, in fact, it is not very evident. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I often tell people, well, if, if you're having a panic attack now, you can take, take to the bank and deposit it that people are not going to see you if you're panicking. So you don't need to worry about panicking anymore, <laughs> about people finding out that you're doing it. You, you may be scared of the panic attack, but nobody's going to know. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you cover it that well. well. I'm probably a pro at that. I, I've never been Good called for out for a panic attack, except one time yeah, when I was in, right. in the doctor's office. And I guess I started looking extremely uncomfortable. And the doctor says to me, are you claustrophobic? But it had made me really claustrophobic that she had shut the door of a small room. So that was like, and I, I was just shocked and kind of honored that she <laughs> that she noticed because she was nice yes. about it. But um, yeah, friends, family, I don't think, I think that's the only time in all the years I had anxiety that I was ever really called out for it. Well, okay. Now let's, let's talk about uh, the specific phobias uh, because that's another one of the, the categories of anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. Specific phobias happen like claustrophobia mm-hmm. or um, fear of insects or fear of heights, uh, fear of public speaking. So any any particular fear that, that you have, but typically doesn't keep you from participating in life. Um, 
See, panic disorder ends up affecting you in, in all kinds of areas. A specific phobia can operate only when that um, stimulus is there. Mm-hmm. So if you have a fear of spiders, you can operate just fine until you see a spider. Then then you may overreact. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> as, as a matter of fact, one of the friends we just visited um I was telling her about this big spider that I had seen um, on a trip to Africa. It's called a huntsman spider. And so she <laughs> was looking it up on her phone, and the picture of the spider showed up on the screen, and she basically just dropped her phone and ran away. Okay, it became that <laughs> so, real to her. <laughs> that's goodness. right. You know, it's like, ah, get me away, you know. And yeah. it's like, um, so... I was I was quite surprised that she so readily looked it up um, <laughs> when when she kind of knew she was afraid of spiders, um, but that doesn't hinder her day to day activity. It doesn't interfere with her life in general. Now you have a fear of elevators, right? Yes, and and that's been one of your uh, specific phobias that have has been in this complex of of anxiety mix that you experience, right? And um, so that that would be in the category of of claustrophobia Mm -hmm. or, you know, none of us like to ride a a creaky elevator or uh, one that's jerking or that kind of thing. But, yeah, that's that's a normal kind of reaction. Um, And and the fear reaction that I think you've experienced, uh, you know how strong that can be and, and to the point where you just can't do it. Right. And there is a, a lot of times where. I knew I had to do it like I had to go to the fifth floor when I worked in radio. And um, but if the if the elevator was crowding up, I would just kind of say, oh, I'll get the next one, because I was so afraid that if people got on with me and they saw me panic, um, that that would be extremely embarrassing. So I would, you know, I'd always catch the next one. And I remember one time. My coworker was like, "You, you need to, you need to get a hold of that because that's gonna, you know." I thought I was just laughing it off, but I remember him being like, "No, you need to get a hold of that, or else you're gonna, this is gonna get worse." Uh-huh. And he recommended a book to me, but I, I remember thinking at the time that there was no hope <laughs> because phobias are very debilitating and they're very um, all-consuming. And, um, well, they are, and they're they're involuntary reactions yeah, to things. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's not like you're choosing to do it. It's like your body takes over mm-hmm. and says, "Oh no, no, no! You you're not supposed to be doing that. You know, you've got to get out of there." Yes. Yeah, so anyone uh, with a phobia, I think, understands just how bad they really feel. If I, you know, to put it simply. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Well, I found out. Um, while I was going through uh, graduate school, mm-hmm. that uh, I had a, a specific phobia to dogs that I did not know. Wow! Now, I never, I never considered that I really had a dog phobia. Um, but my wife and I, uh, probably the second year we were married, we were out walking in the neighborhood, and this little um, dog came charging off the porch, and. Um, mm. I found myself up in a tree with my wife looking at me while I'm up in the tree, kind of going, uh, what, are you doing? what is your problem? <laughs> you you left me down here to deal with this and you took off. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
it, it happened just so quickly, you know, it was, it was a knee jerk reaction. Wow. I just, I just popped up in the tree. I climbed it. And, uh, so it, it's like, then when I got into graduate school, I started working on that a little bit and, um, was able to, to get past that pretty, pretty easily. Hmm. Uh, cause I, I do like dogs. It, it's not that I don't like dogs, but to have a dog come charging off the porch. Well then, um, when I was working specifically on trying to fix that, this image came back to me when I was, uh, well, let's see, I must have been in junior high sometime. Uh, we were out sleigh riding. Uh, it had snowed in our town, and so we were sleigh riding. And this little dog from a neighbor's house came charging off the porch and bit me in the back of the leg oh. while I'm laying down on the, the sled. Oh. And uh, so... You know, it was tied back to a specific uh, event where, in fact, a dog charged off the porch and hurt me. Mm-hmm. And um, interesting, it's like, wow, um, that that put a powerful image in my head here uh, that I'd like to to unlearn. I'd like to unlearn that reaction, right? And extinguish that reaction and replace that. And I feel like phobias and, are interesting because, like, for you when you ran up the tree, it's it's. It was a real sense of some danger. The dog could bite you. You know, me with the elevator, I could I could get locked in there for, for the rest of my life and starve to death or whatever. I mean, there's things that could happen in the most extreme <laughs> situation that I think subconsciously that your mind just goes there, that you you would bleed to death with a bad enough bite or whatever you think, you know, in that moment. And it happens so fast and you get tricked so quickly um, that there's, it's really, it's really your imagination taking off to these, these places that you don't even know exist <laughs> until you're in that moment. That, that's right. Uh, you don't even know that you're going to react that way. Uh, until you've already reacted that way. And then you're mm-hmm. kind of going, what in the world was that? And you start trying to make sense out of it. Yeah. Sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't make sense out of it. And it's when you can't make any sense out of it that that you start getting in trouble. You know, it's like, well, then your body just says, um, you need to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that was too scary. You need to avoid that because that's dangerous. And you can't handle where, that. That's right. See, anxiety really is our alarm system, and it keeps us safe in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there is something dangerous and we get anxious about it and we get afraid of it and we avoid it, good for us. Right. Um, but then these, these are then normal activities of the day, and we're having those severe reactions to it. And so that starts making us feel like we're losing our mind. We're losing our grip on our reality, and your rational mind is telling you you shouldn't be afraid of this, and your emotional mind is freaking out and saying there's no way we're going to go do that. All right. Well, I hope you got some good information today. We're going to continue this conversation in our next episode, which will be part two of this episode, where we will be covering more um, anxiety disorders and breaking those down for you. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Lots of good stuff ahead. Lots of useful information. Remember, you can get our relaxation audio by going to lifefreeofanxiety.com slash relax. And you can also reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram, Life Free of Anxiety. Shoot us a message there. 
or email me at erica at lifefreeofanxiety.com. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope that something in today's conversation provided you with a feeling of hope, determination, or purpose. I know what you're going through. And that's why I want to give you some of the tools that helped me in my anxiety journey. To get your free copy of Dr. Barr's relaxation audio that helped change my life forever, just go to lifefreeofanxiety.com slash relax. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are not broken, you are not alone, and you are on your way to living a life free of anxiety. See you next week. Before you go, I wanted to give you one last reminder to discover your anxiety profile at lifefreeofanxiety.com slash profile. Going forward, we really think this should be the starting point for everyone's anxiety journey. Once you're done, once you're done, you'll probably wonder how we could learn so much from just a few questions. It really is amazing. What you don't see is behind the scenes, your responses are compared to what we've learned from helping over 200,000 people just like you reverse their anxiety over the past 40 years. It's a data-backed assessment with real insights. I promise it's worth 90 seconds of your time, and it's totally free. Just click the link in the show notes or head to lifefreeofanxiety.com profile, and I'll talk to you again soon.